go off the cuff. I'll try not to say um too much. No, that's completely fine. Yeah, so I haven't done this in a while, but you want to talk loud. Okay. Not loud, but just talk, don't, don't, don't whisper, is what we're kind of going for. Got it. Yeah. I was trying to do a podcast once every month, and then COVID hit, and I actually did do one podcast during the COVID with uh, an owner from Oshawa, and then since then, uh, been lacking the, the motivation, but... Uh, Figured we should introduce you. Rich Davidson's going to be uh, coaching our Olympic lifting classes come September. First one will be September 14th. It was going to be the 7th, but then I realized it was Labor Day, and we don't run a full class on Labor Day, so it's September 14th. So, Rich, how do we get into Emma. We got introduced through Emma. That's right. Because you were a volunteer with Emma. That's right. And then you got hired full-time with Ottawa Fire. Congratulations, you won the lottery. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Excited to get started, both, yeah. uh, both in the fire service and coaching. Yeah. Tell me, how did you get started, or, or what did you get started in weightlifting? So weightlifting was part of my training uh, when I was a football player. So I started doing power cleans, uh, squat, all the basic movements when I was uh, playing football in high school and then preparing to go to university. When I went to university at Laurier, I played offensive line. And that's where we incorporated more of the full Olympic lifts, uh, snatch, uh, clean and jerk. Okay. Uh, and uh, after my first year, uh, I had racked up a few concussions and I started training weightlifting more as kind of my backup sport. Because I told myself, you know, I, I need to protect my brain. I don't want to play in the CFL. Right. If I get basically one more, I'm going to switch to weightlifting. Right. And then in my second year, I got the one more and I just switched <laughs> over. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. And so I, I called I'm it out. quits at that point. And then uh, switched over to weightlifting uh, full-time at that point. And that was in uh, 2013. And, and did you have a, would you say you had a, or were you genetically gifted going in to that? Like, were you like, I, I can move weight fairly easily. Like, yeah, the, well, the first time I ever did any weight training was in grade nine with some of the football guys uh, in the middle of the season. Yeah. And the first day I ever trained, I deadlifted 300 pounds uh, <laughs> at uh, 13, <laughs> 13 years old. So <laughs> I guess you could say okay. I had a natural kind of disposition for, right. for heavy lifting early on. Growing up on a farm and everything helped with that, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And now, so second year university, 19 years old. We're like, yeah. I'm, I'm now doing Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. And did you self-coach, got a coach? Because Laurier is um, Waterloo? No. Yeah, it's in Waterloo. Waterloo? Yeah. So, so did you get a coach in Waterloo? So I actually, for the first six months or so of being just dedicated weightlifting training, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just reading everything I could online. Um, I couldn't do a full snatch. I could barely hold a bar over my head because my shoulders were mangled from football. all these football and yep. offensive line and hitting. So a lot of it was figuring it out on my own, uh, slowly and poorly. Um, but uh, I went into my first competition and had no idea what I was doing, no idea how to compete, how to count attempts. Um, had a lot of fun and actually qualified for Junior Ontario's. And okay. at that point, I got introduced to a coach um, in Toronto. And so then I started driving from Waterloo to Toronto once a week to get coaching and kind of train with a team. And then I would take back what I learned that week, train on my own for a week, and go back and forth that way. Okay, and what's, and what's your weight class now? Weight class now, most recently I competed in 109. 
because uh, weight class has shifted uh, okay. a year or two ago now. It used to be 105, uh, and uh, now I'm cutting down to 102, uh, mainly just for health reasons and firefighting. Be more so you're cutting down to 102, and that's yep. the 102 class? Correct. Okay. And there's a 109? And yep. then is there a class after the 109? That's a super heavyweight, so okay. everything over 109, so 109, 109 plus. Those are big boys. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> that's what I used to be right after football. I was a super heavyweight, and then... Okay. Yeah, I got, got up to three bills, and I said, no more. <laughs> I mean, way too much pasta. <laughs> right. Wow. And then when did you decide... So, and then I, and this is your first year you decided to start cutting down to 103. Uh, so yeah, my first year I competed as super heavyweight. Uh, then I said, there's no point in me being this heavy. I should cut down, compete at 105. Yep. Uh, so I did that. And, uh, after that point, basically just stayed there. Um, I did a few competitions where I'd be a light super heavyweight. I'd be 110, 112 kilos. And I would kind of bounce back and forth. The more important competitions, I would cut down to 105 if I was trying to qualify for provincials or nationals or whatever it was. Right. Uh, and then they switched the weight classes. And since, that, since then, I've just been at that 109 mark. But whenever we start doing competitions again, my plan is to be 102. So finished university, still competing at university. Come back to Ottawa then or stay in Toronto and work with... So I uh, went from Waterloo, finished my degree at Laurier. Uh, so I was in the biology program. Uh, after three years, I applied to graduate early with just a general bachelor of science. Okay. Uh, because at that point, I knew I wanted to get into firefighting. And okay. I said, I'm going to take this extra year and the money I would have spent on the fourth year, rather than have a piece of paper that says biology on it, I'm happy with a piece of paper that says science. Right. And I'm going to put that money and time into pre-service. Okay. So then I went to Seneca in Toronto, did my pre-service firefighting training there. Um, Plus got to train closer with your coach. Yeah, so I actually okay. I, uh, had a change of coach uh, at that point, but my coach was still in Toronto. Um, so at that point I started training at uh, Toronto Weightlifting uh, with Hany Kanama. And uh, I was there for about three years. Uh, and I was just living, working, training there. And then uh, after that, it was the move to Ottawa um, to try and get on with the Ottawa Fire Service. And that's where uh, uh, we've got family and everything going on. This is where we wanted to settle. Um, so you are originally from Ottawa? Uh, London, actually. London, uh, yeah. okay. Yeah, but uh, some family here and the girlfriend's family's here as well. The so, girlfriend's family's yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. So you're from London originally. Yep, yeah, that's where I grew up. Now, so progressing through at Seneca, you've compete at the world championships yeah so the world was actually that? tell uh, us about that that was this past year so that um, was your first one yes how cool was that so it, <laughs> it was surreal <laughs> it felt like i didn't belong there because <laughs> i'm like i'm walking around and i'm getting lunch and there's like world record holders on the table next to me yeah. and you know people from all over the world and we're all just hanging out having lunch and most of them are really cool people and yeah. just excited to be there, happy to, you know, take just a photo people, with you. Just people, right? They're just yeah, people. That's it. And then, it. you know, you go and watch them on the big stage. It's unbelievable. Or warming up in the back room and seeing other people lift. You're trying to concentrate on yourself, but it's also, you know, you're, yeah. you're around some of the best. It's pretty incredible. But that's, that's pretty cool because you never know when you're going to be back. So, especially yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So, you got to enjoy watching those other people move. Watch, enjoy watching, uh, watching them lift. Like you want to do well, but yeah. you also have to enjoy the the, the experience. Absolutely. And I think we're learning that now. Yeah. So tell us, tell us, tell us a cool story about an athlete that 
people might know, like uh, Valentina or uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, meeting meeting a meeting a cool athlete. Yeah, um, Ilya Illin in person is oh, the coolest yeah. guy. He, yeah? he's full of energy. He's like the nicest human being. Um, just excited to be there. Loves weightlifting. Um, to see him in person training and, and lifting was amazing. Um, all the lifters. It was. It Did was he say anything to you? No, he's just like, nice to meet you. Like, you wanted a photo, whatever. And you know, I didn't have anyone else there. I was gonna make one. Of, I was gonna make one of his friends take a photo. So I was like, yeah. I just shook his hand. And, you know, hung out, and we had. Nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, it, it was pretty cool just being side by side with uh, with all these people. But that's it, cool. It was an interesting experience going all the way to Thailand for Worlds. The travel was something that makes the competition a lot different. Um, so the total travel time door to door. Uh, for me to get there, it was in September this past year, was about 36 hours uh, total time traveling. So Ottawa, Toronto, Toronto, Vancouver, Vancouver. Uh, so actually we had a direct flight Toronto to Hong Kong, uh, and that's when all the civil unrest was going on. So I was a little worried about that. But that was after the protesters had been cleared out, so it was really right. quiet, but I really wanted to keep it myself, and I was really careful what I was uh, Googling on my phone because I didn't want to get in trouble. Right, right. <laughs> so... Uh, and then from Hong Kong was direct to Bangkok and then it was a drive via shuttle which actually, actually was this giant party bus that was like it had gold curtains and stuff and disco balls in it and so it was a double deck party bus that they transported us from the airport to the hotel in so these were athletes though. athletes got transported yeah okay. it was just athletes it no, wasn't there just was like there's nobody else like, no Jesus, what no. is going on here and so uh, and I can't you, remember what time I got in local it was dark so it was something many, late at night how many of you went like we're traveling at the same time. I was by myself. You were just by yourself. Yeah. So you went by yourself. Yeah. So Nobody I, else. No, I traveled by myself the whole way and then Whoa. got in super late. Um, it was like a <laughs> 90 minute or two hour drive to Pattaya, uh, which is just uh, south of Bangkok and uh, got checked into the hotel, um, got in my room and slept for like two hours and then got up for breakfast and then just kind of continued and I was not able to sync up my sleep at all. I thought it was going to be fairly easy because it's their 12 hour difference. Right. So I thought, you know, I just, I'll push to stay awake and I'm going to be so exhausted that I'll be able to right. collapse and you know, sleep. But I was not able to get more than about three or four hours of unbroken sleep at a time. Probably just time. high too. Oh, I was mangled. And then, uh, when it was competition day, my How many days before a competition did you get there? I was there five or six before, which is okay. relatively short. Yeah. Um, and that yeah. was just to a matter adjust. of only having enough time to get away from... I could only be away from work so long. I only had so much vacation. And right. it was really expensive to get there <laughs> and compete. And I'm only making so much money yeah. <laughs> paying for it all myself because I'm not good enough to get any funding. So uh, I didn't want to be there for you know three weeks and you know be there two weeks ahead of time and it's not like I'm competing for a medal like I was in the bottom of the C group so like it didn't matter I was going there just for experience right. and then you know in years to come hopefully I'll be ranking higher um, but was there it, any support from the Canadian team there is but only for top athletes right. so there's a certain amount and basically the philosophy with the current amount of money that we're given is we want to make sure that we are funding athletes that are in a position to secure medals Okay. So that's where most of the money is going. So we only have so much. If that was spread yeah. out across the team, then you know the, the guys and girls anybody. who are, are are actually you know in medal position, 
then they wouldn't be supported nearly as much as they need when this is essentially their full-time job and they're training, you know, right. twice a day, five days a week, plus another one on Saturdays type thing. So, right. um, but you know, I totally get that because we only have limited resources. How many teams were there at the world championships total? We sent a park? full team. Uh, so with this team, it was either, uh, 18 or 20 of us total. That's so that's still a small team. It total. was, uh, either nine and nine or ten and ten men and women plus coaches right. and everything. So, yeah, and that was actually the maximum that we we're allowed to send because uh, you're allowed to send a total of ten per gender with maximum of two per weight class. And how many? Anybody else from Ottawa go? Uh, we had. Um, I'm trying to think of that team because every team's different. So Team Canada every year, it's not like you make the team and you're on the team for the year. It's an event-based right. uh, system. So you qualify for an individual event. You have to sign up and qualify for that one. Uh, who did we have on that one? I don't think so. I can't remember. It's all blur. <laughs> <laughs> I was on two hours sleep. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to focus on just not uh, falling apart. Yeah. Yeah. But because I remember our competition day, uh, we had, well, I woke up actually overweight. So my water cut got botched um, because the food was so salty there that it, it screwed with my water retention. Right. And I ended up holding onto a lot more water than I should have. Right. And so I was supposed to wake up that day at like, 108.2 kilos around the 108.1 and I woke up at 109.2 and so I'm at competition <laughs> weight and that was at 5 in the morning and my weigh-in was scheduled for I think 9 p.m. so I had to go however many, over 12 hours with not eating so at that point basically what I had for, for success <laughs> yeah what I had to eat that day was I think two eggs and I made Gatorade tea because I was so thirsty and I wanted sugar so bad that I'm like, I have to have something sweet and I also have fluids, but I don't have too much. So I, <laughs> I don't know why I boiled Gatorade <laughs> powder and I had that because I'm like, it'll just be something hot. And I tried to just sleep, but I couldn't because I was so ramped up. Right. And then our session was delayed. So I, I had, uh, like there wasn't much food and they were pretty stingy about us packing up stuff from the, like, like the lunch hall. So I had this like, chicken burger or something from this little cafe across the street mm -hmm. and some fries. And that was my pre-competition meal. And I ate that at like 10.30 p.m. And we didn't get started until after 11. We finished cleaning jerks after, yeah, we finished clean jerks after 1 a.m. local time. And uh, yeah, it was brutal. And the warm-up room, it was like a war zone. People were missing warm-ups left and right. Like the success rate for the very first session of the day, which started at 8 a.m. with a 6 a.m. warm-up, and the very last session of the day, people were averaging two out of six successful lifts, oh. and which is really low for worlds, right. especially when you're not like in a metal position and people are like going for broke. Like in a C session, people should be making their lifts. Yeah, and it, it was brutal. So I only went two for six as well. I made my oh, uh, so you were one right, natural one clean. You were with everybody. <laughs> yeah, I made a total, which was good. I didn't want to go all the way there and bomb out, but <laughs> it was tough. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. So looking back now coaching relatively like even myself uh relatively new or um not as technically proficient mm. what are some things that you now coach like 
I want to see an athlete do this. I want to see yeah. an athlete do A, B, and C before we even talk about yeah. uh, snatching. Like, what are, what, what are things that you would do with yourself and that you do now um, that are like, these are worth investing in? Because yeah. it's, not, it's not the sexy stuff, but man, it's going to pay dividends at the end. Uh, a big thing I've learned is uh, the, the mobility aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, one, just because I came from a position where I had really poor mobility and I've been dealing with that for a long time. The last like six or eight months, uh, I've been working through mobility issues in my shoulders and T-spine to get to a point where they're not going to be an issue in the future. But identifying those problems and then working on those really diligently, kind of on your own time and seeing the results of those over weeks and months, that then that pays off in terms of like, you know, now my wrists don't hurt when I snatch or, you know, my elbows don't hurt when I clean or now I can do a full rack position and hold the bar. And if you're able to do those things, then now it makes the technical progressions easier. Because mm-hmm. if you physically can't do something or get into a position, it doesn't matter what I tell you or what I want you to do if you can't do it or if it causes you pain. So that's the first thing is identifying yeah. those areas and what do we need to do to fix that? Because um, I can tell you until you're blue in the face that I want you to you know, have your shoulders in this position overhead in the snatch. But if you can't do it, yeah. man, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And then from there, learning feeling of movements uh, because you can't just cue someone constantly every lift every time what you need to coach for weightlifting because it happens so fast is the feeling what should my setup feel like what should the extension feel like what should the catch mm-hmm. position feel like and then you use cues to get that feeling and replicate it mm-hmm. and then you can reinforce it by showing video afterwards and being like okay this is what this looks like remember that feeling this is correct and then figuring out how to replicate that replicate it until it becomes a matter of self-correction that if you're warming up and you're doing say five reps okay first one was a little forward okay I know that because I'm on my toes second one was a little bit back I'm on my heels okay why is that okay I know with my start position I'm often all over the place all right I'll try and feel where my hips are in this one the third one's a little bit better and then you're, you're identifying and problem solving. Mm-hmm. And so that way you can narrow that range of technique from a really wide angle down to very narrow just through developing that feeling. So that's, that's a big one. It's identifying mobility and then feeling the movements. Begin that much, awareness. You're 26? Six. Yeah. How, 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 much, how much time on average a day would you say you spend on mobility now? Now... Because uh, I'm getting kind of the tail end of fixing some of the issues, I'm spending maybe about 30 minutes. So of, what are you like, doing when you're, when you're starting fixing the issues? 90 minutes to two hours. Wow. I for a while I would just like almost not train because I was just focused on this and I had to put so much energy into it, and then I would do maybe like a quick half hour workout afterwards. Yeah. Um, but that was yeah. a point where it was after Worlds, my shoulders were injured, I couldn't do anything overhead and so basically what I would do is my mobility and um, functional range conditioning workouts first yeah. I would spend the 90 minutes two hours and then I would do half hour squats or half hour deadlifts or whatever it might might have been some cardio or something right so all of my energy was going first into the mobility right. and then as it got better I could spend less time because I had to do less fewer exercises the range decreased yeah. Um, and I could kind of focus on a few kind of key things and now I'm down to that half hour, which is nice. That's awesome. No, <laughs> yeah. but that's, but it's two hours and especially like you want to move, you want to move the weight, but to dedicate yourself to, uh, 
moving right first, you're now seeing the dividends. Yeah, and that's it. And so right. like, I went to the point where for six or seven months, I didn't snatch at all. And then six or seven months. Yeah. So six or seven months, yeah. you did not snatch. You yeah. did not go overhead with a yeah. barbell. Yeah. And, and, and what did you snatch today? Like 290? Yeah, for two. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> so I'm basically right back where I was before, but right. now I don't have shoulder pain. Now I don't have shoulder dysfunction. It's kind of nice. Yeah. It's, it makes it easier <laughs> when you're not wincing when you're catching every snatch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you probably look forward, like, where you're like, okay, this is going to hurt when I snatch, to now, yeah. like, I can't wait to lift this. Well, that's it. And just from a longevity perspective, um, nice. that the reason I kind of pushed through some injuries was because I qualified for Worlds, and, like, this is a big thing I want to yes. accomplish. Yeah. And then I'll take that step back and, uh, and fix everything because, you know, if I continued where I was and just was a meathead, and said, right. I'm just going to keep pushing through the pain. I'm not going to take the step back. Like then, yeah, I would have had, well, I already was starting to develop partial tears in like my infraspinatus, my rotator cuff. I could have torn my rotator cuff. And then now maybe I can't snatch ever again. So yeah. it's important to recognizing when you need to take that step back and do the stuff that's boring and is not fun uh, to fix it so that you can move forward and not lift in pain or not cause issues. When do lifters, in your opinion, peak? Like, at what age do they uh, It's dependent on when you start. So if you're in a country where they have a weightlifting system and you go through the sporting system and, you know, you start general weightlifting when you're 10 or 11 and learn the techniques and then build up, most of those lifters peak between, like, 19 and probably, like, 23 or 4. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. If, it tends to be super heavyweights peak later. So sometimes you see super heavyweights are peaking into their 30s. Because they've started later. Yeah. And just with the size, for whatever reason, it's a less of a, an elastic type of lifting, which you see with the lighter weight classes and more of just a strength lifting. Right. And so for strength, like you can continue to get stronger and hit your best in your 30s. Whereas for dynamic movements, you tend to lose some of the elasticity of the joints. Yeah earlier and usually that's around 20 yeah yeah i'm starting to feel it already and, but uh you know for most of us in you know canada the u.s the uk we're starting weightlifting when we're in our 20s 30s or 40s yeah. and so really it's like a timeline of weightlifting takes a long time it's like golf but you're just putting weights over your head yeah that you know if you're practicing it three times a week you're probably going to get to your best after like five to seven years. Yeah. And so a lot of people in their first six months want to lift like Ilya Illin, and it's not going to happen. I mean, he's been doing it for 20 years at least. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, it's about making those small improvements and having those small daily wins and being patient with it and just enjoying it. Because then when you look back, you know, a year past, you see how far you've come and you're just involved in the moment and that workout and just doing what you can in that training as opposed to being focused on like no i want to lift this number today yeah yeah so that's cool um what what's your uh now have you ever like you've coached olympic lifters mm -hmm. have you ever coached crossfitters trying to do olympic lifting <laughs> Yes, <laughs> but mainly it's CrossFitters who want to focus with me with just weightlifting, either because they want to become weightlifters okay. or they want their weightlifting to not be a limiting factor for CrossFit. And right. so I basically get to take them as a putty and mold them how I wish yeah. um, and you know, get them for at least three, four training sessions where all we're doing is weightlifting and then 
you know, a little bit of yeah. like dialing back the conditioning and everything else on the side so that we can focus more of that kind of recovery on just the weightlifting yeah. um, to accelerate that progress in a short period of time. Um, whereas if you're training, you know, once, twice a week, I can't do as much and the improvement will be a little bit slower, but at the same time, then you can do the CrossFit as well. Yeah. So it's dependent on, you know, at that time, what's most important. And what's something that you're like, okay, what, what would be something that maybe not, it's not, it's not shocking, but something that people will be like, wow, like we should have been doing this like four years ago when I started CrossFit, like we may have missed the boat on this in terms of like, you know, you're saying two hours of mobility, right? Things like that, or, um, you know, that we're, we're all guilty of doing. Like, you know, you want to move. There's, there's a certain weight that sometimes we have to move, and sometimes we don't move it well. Mm-hmm. I think there's, and this is not just CrossFit, but this is everyone. There's a fixation on, there's two problems, and it's kind of two ends of the spectrum or the bell curve, where you have people who don't lift heavy enough, and they're doing what they call technique work, which every lift you do is technique work. So they're doing technique work at too light, so sub 50%, where that's not gonna elicit any kind of change, because if mm. you're lifting less than 50%, you can muscle it, you can do whatever you want with that weight, you're not gonna make any kind of meaningful change or develop any kind of feeling or mm. train your nervous system how to move when you kind of minimum have to be working at those 65, 70, 75% range. Like that's would be what I would call quote, the technique range Mm -hmm. where you can make changes, but also do a decent amount of volume. So if your snatch is say 135 pounds and you're snatching 45 pounds and you're doing 10 sets of three or something and you think you're doing anything, you're not really doing anything. Now that might be a good way to be doing assistance exercises. Like maybe you're doing SOTS press or you're doing tempo overhead squat. Now that might be meaningful, right. but doing snatch that way, you're not going to get much from that. Right. Then on the other side is where you have people who are, you know, their best snatch is 135 and all they do is try and snatch 137 or 140 <laughs> every workout and don't build anything. Right. So it's the same problem, just the other side of the coin where you're not developing meaningful work. You're not training the nervous system. You're just going after a heavier weight with the same technique and the same deficiencies without fixing those and reinforcing better patterns. So how often would you say, okay, I am now going to try to PR a year, like twice a year, once a year, and then you base your entire year off of this clean and jerk number and this snatch number. And then everything is, like you said, between that 65 to 75% range with once in a while going over, I guess going yeah. over that 75% yeah. range. But for the most part, yeah. the majority of the work is between 65 and 75. Like how yeah, many that's... times a year do you say like, okay, we're doing this in three months? Yeah, I would say uh, it depends on the movement as well. Like for example, you can go to what might be a daily maximum for a three rep hang snatch, for example where that's not going to stress your body the same way a maximal hang snatch or maximal full snatch from floor would, along with multiple attempts. Um, But you're pushing to what feels like a maximum because by the time you get to that third rep, you've exhausted quite a lot of energy and it can simulate the heavier weights at lighter weights and you can elicit that response. But for beginners, you know, you might be PRing every training session. Right. If you're... Because they're beginners. Yeah, if you're neurologically, you're you're adapting or your technique improves a little bit and then you work on it or you're fixing mobility and these limitations break down. 
that you'll just be able to lift more weight every session. So depending on the level of someone, anyone that would be classified as a beginner, uh, I, when I'm coaching, I don't use percentages uh, for, for that group of individuals because there's mm-hmm. no point. Because That's their, right. their yeah. max has, who knows what it actually right. is. And you know, they might be, again, improving every session or it might be that they work in just a range of weights or you just have to watch and, okay, today they're moving better, so our working sets are going to be heavier. Right. Today, not so much. We're mm-hmm. going to dial it back. Uh, in the intermediate range, you might be using percentages, uh, and at that point, there's to go heavy. I'd say generally no more than every six to eight weeks, and okay. that, that'd be attempting new maximums in some yeah. variety. But uh, for somebody like you, advanced, like the best in the world, yeah. And that depends. Or, 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 there's some people who train heavy, and they're going heavy weekly. Um, oh, okay. And, and it depends on kind of the individual, because once you get to a higher level, it's things deviate a lot. Okay. There's, there's not so much a template for training. Uh, it comes down to what you respond to at that point, what you need to get better. Because what, for example, got to me that to this point might not get me another five kilos on my total. Okay. I might have to change. Um, and if you've been training for, say, 10 years, you might be able to handle higher intensity more frequently. Uh, but maybe volume breaks you down pretty well. So I find for me I have to right. kind of ramp up intensity slowly like for example last week I was doing snatch and blocks and I did 130 for my top set after all my working sets for two reps and today was 132 in terms of what it felt like it's the same weight for me really two kilos is not a big difference but it's just small ramping up where my plan would be for the following week 135 and then the week after that I would drop a rep so now I'm going to go down to a single maybe try 140 and then after that I haven't really maxed but I'm going to reset I'm going to dial back now. I'm going to go down to maybe three reps, change the variation, rebuild. Once I get to that eighth week, now I'm even going to test. Okay. Yeah. So it, it just depends on what's, what the plan is, what the competition cycle is. Like, for example, now there's no known competitions yeah. in sight. So it so can be a lot of... you make your own kind of, I want yeah. to try for this date if things work out. Yeah. Cool. You kind of have a plan, but it's nice in the way that when you don't have a competition, you know, if you don't feel great one day or... You know, you wake up and everything's tight and sore and you just have a, you know, you're not in it. You just save it for the next day. Yep. And then that's the way it is. When there's competitions, it doesn't matter how you feel. You have to go out and just do it. But when there isn't something like that, that's the nice, uh, the nice thing is you have that flexibility. Nice. So coach for the feeling, Mm -hmm. not necessarily percentages. That's right. If things are going well, the moving well, the percentages increase. If, If things aren't going well, let's dial back. Yep. Sorry, not the percentage, the weight. Yep. And try to operate like every lift is a technical lift. Well, that's it. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, from <laughs> from the bar up to 95, 100%, the lift should look very similar. Now, there's, of course, going to be some variation, especially once you get up to maximal weights. Uh, but striving to have technical consistency is what builds the movement pattern, teaches your nervous system what needs to happen. And then builds that so that, because often you have beginners, they're 90% and they're 70% and they're 50% are all different lifts. Yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. So when you rebuild that and you teach the nervous system to move the same and you have that feeling of what needs to happen, then you'll replicate the technique. If you replicate the technique, you'll execute a successful lift. And the limitation really at that point is just mentally, are you prepared to lift that weight? And physically, are you prepared? So... When you were doing your two hours of mobility and mm-hmm. didn't snatch mm-hmm. for seven months, mm-hmm. was the muscle memory like 
almost like, oh, because I've snatched well and I focus on the technical aspect of my snatch, the muscle memory was mm-hmm. there because I didn't lift shitty, so it's mm-hmm. still there in seven months. Yeah. Uh, did it, and did it come back, re- or, or if it wasn't, it came back relatively quickly. Yeah, it's, when you take a long break, it does take a little while to come back and get that feeling back. Um, for shorter breaks, usually the rule of thumb is it takes twice as long as your break. So if you take a week, a week off, it'll take you two weeks to get back where you were. Mm-hmm. Um, generally, if anything shorter than that, it doesn't matter at all. But for a long break like that, it took me probably about eight weeks to get where I was starting to feel normal for right. lifting. Whereas in that first you know, four weeks, it was, my start position was different. There was a large variation. And so I was having to video all my lifts and then compare and be like, okay, this is what it feels like. This is what's actually happening. Um, and narrow that variation down. But uh, eight weeks in the grand scheme of things after seven months off was not too bad to get back to where no. it felt normal. No, <laughs> man, and that's, and that's a good, like, that's a good lesson for all of us because, like, you know, we all go through, uh, unfortunately, uh, injuries, but we want to get back into it. Sometimes we come back too fast and we want to get back to where we were, especially, like, with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just... Yeah, it's, it's being smart, playing the long game. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, what we're doing this for, what everyone's training for, kind of regardless of level, is to uh, have better fitness, better health, enjoy life. Yeah. And you don't want to be coming to the gym and breaking yourself down. You want to be building yourself up. And so yeah. you got to always kind of keep that in the back of your mind, that if you're doing something and it hurts, okay, is this a discomfort or is this a pain that's indicating something's wrong? Um, And just being aware of that and being mindful, telling your coach. uh, And so you can get an opinion on that Um, because some, sometimes it's easy to think that, you know, this hurts. Yeah. Well, no, it's just discomfort and that's part of the deal. Like, you know, being sore comes with the territory. Distinguishing between that. Yeah. But then being hurt is a different story and and not getting injured is key because we don't want to be coming to the gym injuring ourselves. And then now we can't. You know, we can't go to work or, you know, you can't bend over and tie your shoes or you can't play with your kids. We never want that to happen. Especially in the job you're in now. You yeah. can't afford to be injured. Well, that's it. And it's, it, that was a big part of my thinking with taking all this time off is I don't want to be a liability to myself or to my team. Um, that I have to make sure that my physical fitness remains priority one over performance. Uh, and that's just... Because that's what's most important that's, to me now. Yeah, those are paying yeah. the bills, right? Yeah, exactly. That's paying the bills. What's, have you got, last thing, have you got any indication as to what's next? Is there anything next? Is there anything lined up? Is there a provincial, national meet maybe even lined up? Or is it like everything's on hold? We're in a holding pattern holding for now. Pattern. So <laughs> long-term goal is just to try and put a few more kilos on the total so I'm prepared and then yeah. get my body weight down so that whenever we get something announced, I'm ready to go and start qualifying yeah. and, and building up uh, a and, new total. And like you were saying, you're still relatively new to the sport, so you have mm-hmm. lots in the tank Yeah, still to give. You haven't been in the sport 15 years. Yeah, yeah. I, I would hope that I've got another kind of three years to really peak and then a few years after that maybe to maintain. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Because I've come pretty far in the, the seven years That's I've been cool. competing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, when you're at the Apex, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to be able to be there and say it. And uh, I've had the privilege of knowing some people like yourself, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and CrossFit, and uh, trying to stay there for a little bit and be able to tell those stories and have that experience and, and tell people, like, hey, like, I didn't 
you think like all I did was snatch a clean jerk I didn't snatch for seven months yeah and I got back there yep and so it, it reinforces that to uh, us us normal folk that sometimes you know taking some time off you're really not going to lose like you will get back if you're doing the right things if you're doing the proper things right absolutely and that's what's important that's what playing that long game again uh, moving without pain discomfort's fine Mm-hmm. We have to learn how to live with discomfort, That's have right. uh, some resiliency, but avoid that pain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's it. So you'll see Rich around the gym. He's usually here from 3 p.m., a little bit longer, sometimes with Emma, sometimes with uh, myself. And uh, September 14th, more details to follow. Thanks for uh, stopping in, Rich, and introducing yourself to everybody. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And thanks, Steve. <laughs> Thank <laughs> Looking you. forward to meeting everyone. Awesome.